You're listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. OneOfUs.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber-supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to OneOfUs.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Cobra Kai season three is finally out. Uh-huh. <laughs> this, this is the Cobra Kai movie I wanted to see. This is the one you deserve. This is the one we deserve. And, and, and we might deserve that in a bad way. I mean, this might be a punishment upon us, but, you know, one that, uh, yeah, I uh, think I think this is a movie that's kind of like showing, a, giving a big middle finger to uh, our day and age, and it, I'm all here for it. It's This movie is The Art of Self-Defense. We're viewing it are myself and Alan and Marco. Hello. And I saw this back at South by Southwest, and at first I was like, should I go see it again? And I kind of looked at a review online, and I was like, no, dude, I remember this whole fucking movie so well, because I loved the hell out of yes. this. There's a, if you guys look at our YouTube page, it's actually a video of me and Martin wildly disagreeing about this movie, because I was <laughs> shocked. I, I oh, was actually like flabbergasted that he did not like it. Oh, I was like, this is so your kind of movie. How do you not like art, the art of self-defense? But that being said, it's a very dark comedy. Let me push some people's limits. But that's this that's the type of movie he likes, squirmy comedies. And this thing has been overwhelmingly praised by critics. So, Deservedly so. So stay in your corner, Martin. Has it been? A, I haven't looked at the other reviews. Oh, yeah. I was curious what the... Uh, Ruling is it's it. it's in the high nineties oh, on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Take there, that yeah. for what what it's worth. You know, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, I I rarely walk out of a movie feeling like because you can never predict these things. But I actually walked out of here feeling like this could be a cult classic. Yeah, yeah. And I rarely I say that because the minute you say it, it's probably not going to come true. But this kind of feels like it came out yeah, of you know, another era. The and, positive reviews are yeah. kind of working against it. It's a cult classic. It's, it's like a lot of cult classics. Well, right, are pretty, but, that, but, but I, I know what you mean. It has that feeling where this isn't going to be wildly successful, like no, money wise. It's a sleeper. But yeah. I think in the like the next four or five years, especially once it's on streaming, people are going to be like. Man, do you see this movie? Like, it's going to kind of come up here and there, yeah. and it's going to, like, bubble up. People and, are going to love it. And, and for reasons that we can get into later, but there are reasons why I felt like it was a cult classic. Because I felt like I was watching a movie that has been passed around and, like, told to people about for years, and then you finally see it. Only it's a new movie. And that has a lot to do with the aesthetic of this movie. But we can discuss that later, after we get into the plot. Well, starring in this movie is Jesse Eisenberg, who indeed starts off playing the type of Jesse Eisenberg role you largely expect. He's kind of twitchy, introverted. Uh, He plays two types of twitchy. He plays extroverted and introverted. It's either smarmy or cowardly. Yeah. And he's playing the guy. He's he's a mild-mannered accountant that works with a bunch of people who clearly don't really appreciate him. And he has no courage on any level, but he loves coming home to his dog, if nothing else, and his very staid, normal-as-fuck life. And one day he's out walking his dog, and a bunch of motorcycle guys come in with their helmets on and everything and beat the crap out of him, beat him to hardcore hospitalization. And when he comes out, when he finally wakes up, he's like, he's reached his breaking point. I don't feel safe in this world anymore. And he had, I, I believe he had just seen an ad or something for this self-defense class. No, he, what starts off was he goes to get a gun. 
And, and this is a major thing because, you know, he really wants to protect himself. It's not just, you know, like getting into physical fitness for the sake of it. He wants to defend himself. So he goes to get a gun and the guy says, well, there's a waiting period. And I honestly think if he just bought the gun, the movie ends. But the <laughs> fact that he has to wait and hey, waiting periods are a good thing. Most yes. people, even most gun but, owners agree. But I'm mad but anyhow, now. But yeah, but I'm mad now. Right. So <laughs> and even the guy who says, well, we do that in case, you know, somebody decides to want to they want to just kill somebody right now. So you have to wait. And so he's kind of left with nothing to do. And I, then he decides to explore the idea of I think uh, it's karate. Like right after that, he's walking by. He's walking he, by the he karate. Hears he it. hears it. He yeah. walks in. Local mall yeah. karate place, like, right. like strip mall. And uh, goes in. Alessandro Nivola is the sensei at this place who is, well, right off the bat, we see he is the double underline exclamation point alpha male. Absolutely. In the scenario. Yeah. But he also is very, like, unlike what you usually expect from the scenario, he's not rejecting him at all. Well, for one thing, it's a strip mall karate place. Like, no, 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 come on in. First lesson's free. (laughs) First lesson is free. I mean, he smells the weakness on this guy. Yeah. And, you know, obviously sees somebody who needs some confidence, who needs some kind of thing in his life to make him get out of bed in the morning and face the world. And it turns out that Jesse Eisenberg's character, with the very feminine name of Casey, as he's constantly being told, uh, he realizes that this actually, for the first time in his life, he kind of feels... He feels alive. He feels like he uh, secured himself until he almost gets into a fight and then realizes that maybe he's not ready uh, yeah. to go out there and fight people just yet. But he is also not bad at this. No, he's not. Yeah, He's not like we're not talking about like this is not Daniel LaRusso. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's like not like an instant genius at it or anything like that. But he's so determined to get this right. And there ends up being kind of a, a weird sort of... The simmering friendship slash antagonism with the sort of number two there played by Imogen Poots. And she's obviously a badass in her own yeah. right, but at the same time, she's cowered by Alessandro Nivola because he is, as it's more and more revealed as the movie goes on, is about as toxic masculine as you could possibly get, including, like, refusing to acknowledge that she is clearly the number right. two person in this class and constantly making her... I mean, like, for instance, she, like, this is the women's locker room and it's just a closet boiler room. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know... I mean, there's a lot of... The, he even outright just says very sexist things. Yeah, He's it's like, like, women aren't as strong. If the movie is not um, light in what it has to say, it's yeah. very I, heavy-handed. Sounds like it's a bad thing, but, but sometimes so- when a movie's like punching it this hard, no pun intended, like <laughs> heavy-handed is like it's it's heavy-handed in a good way. It's, it's like a yeah. fun way to be. It's heavy-handed. playing these characters to some degree for satire. Mm-hmm. They almost feel like. I mean, nobody feels really like a real Ooh. person here. Yeah, but I, they, I'm glad you mentioned that because that I was thinking that same thing with like the satire as him as like the. Sensei of the thing, like that's usually portrayed like in the style like foot fist way, or like that scene from Napoleon Dynamite, this type of like cheesy right. strip mall thing. I've actually read one comparison that called this a cross between Napoleon Dynamite and the foot fist way. Yeah, and, and, yeah. But, and <laughs> you see, and that's the thing. I actually think that this is more like a pitch dark version of the Karate Kid meets a version of Fight Club that actually knows it's a, a critique yeah. of toxic masculinity and not a celebration of it. It's weirder, and I could debate you on Fight Club about that. Yeah, too. I'm pretty sure they, they knew that that was what it was, too, but what are you going to do The fans, people? you can't the blame the fans. Yeah, you, know. The fans don't know. Yeah. But, uh, and that you fans out there listening, you not all you. know. You, you guys are smart. <laughs> but yeah, I really appreciate it, because they do play with that 
sat- satirical idea. Like, this is cheesy. Like, it's... Even if you're really into karate, you get into it. Like, you have to understand, like, from the outside looking in, it seems kind of silly. It's and they play with that original idea. To the rules. It's absurd in a character way, but not absurd to the point of feeling, like... Implausible that people would ever act this way towards each yeah, other. Yeah. But they're so, everyone is so heightened in a way. That, like, it never takes you out of it completely, but you also never really, you're also hyper aware of the fact that you are watching a satirical movie. Because yeah, yeah. these, it's just, these people are so heightened to the level, like, no one would ever put up with this guy for as long as they And are. I guess, I guess that's kind of the difference too in like a movie like Foot Fist Way where like that's happening. And in a movie like that, someone from outside that world will look in and be like, the fuck are you like this is so stupid but in this movie all the characters that like are involved in this and even characters outside of it are also heightened like the, yeah it's taking place in a very heightened reality yeah. like and it's it, very cult like you get a sense that all of these people are being broken down as even though it's sort of exaggerated you know someone like Imogen Poots who you think this woman should have just gotten the fuck out of here a long time ago and yet she seems determined uh, she herself is in sway to some degree to sensei. Oh, absolutely. And everyone is, and you know, the, it comes it's a to cult a cult almost. It is a cult like, you know, he is conditioning and training these people, and you see how he breaks them down and then kind of builds them up with a little bit of confidence and then kicks them back down until they kind of become compliant. Uh, and eventually, uh, things build to a head when he tells Jesse Eisenberg's character about the night school it's a very special school not everybody gets to go to the school but let's not get into specifics yeah, yeah no, no, like no no i would really, dream of it because that kind of like i would dream of that it's a lot of stuff that I, you can kind of see where it's gonna go yeah. early in the movie you know exactly like he, after what happens to him you know everything's gonna happen in the movie once he finds a class but the movie jumps the level in the second act and not like with what it's doing you know what it's gonna do but and how it does it and how dark and how weird this movie gets is like kind of the most surprising thing. Yeah. I don't want to get any specifics of it, but just know like in the first 20 minutes of the movie, I, th- I thought I knew what this was. It's like right. a quirky, yeah. like kind of like, Oh, it's like a goofy You're comedy. Like, this is amusing. It's be but like I feel silly like karate this. stuff. Yeah. And it gets weirder than that and darker than that. And more interesting. It and ends way more up, pointed. It ends up in a, a really dark, brutal almost, but also kind of weirdly poignant. place by the end of it I was very impressed with I left going I can't believe they had the balls to go there with this movie and it never stops being funny either Uh, as it gets darker and darker it's still funny it never it never because a lot of like especially cult films that are like sort of dark comedies they're famous from their third act losing the comedy and just going dark. Right. And this never quite does that. It, uh, in fact, I think it becomes funnier the darker it gets. Oh, yeah. There is know? a joke, and again, I won't spoil it. There is a joke that is so dark. Uh, there, and this is something Alan and I were talking about afterwards that Alan, I think, had a really good point when you said that a lot of these jokes are kind of slow burn jokes. They're kind of layered in, and you don't get the payoff until much later. Yeah. You may With, think you've heard the punchline of this right. joke, which is funny earlier, and then again, but then like later in the movie, it's like the true punchline of this thing that's yeah. being set up, and it lands. It's so good. There's a lot of that where you're like, yeah, yeah you think you know where this is going, and then those there's a those big payoff jokes yeah. towards the end that you're like, oh, I never would have seen that. Coming. Something really horrific happens, and we saw this with an audience uh, of just critics and. I swear to God, for I started laughing, and I started thinking, I'm a terrible person for laughing at this. And then I realized everyone was laughing. And then I also realized, like, 
over thirty, about thirty seconds, we were still laughing. It, it had a. It was long like the chuckles. joke yeah. went on, but it just kept building and building as everybody just realized, "Oh my god, this is horrific." That's kind of the miracle of this thing, and the comedy is really creeper, but it does build on you, and it's one of those jokes like it's funny for a second, and then the more you think about it, the funnier it is. Yeah. It does that over and over again through the film. And as it goes on, like I said, as it gets darker and darker, those jokes that they set up early on start paying off in a way like you kind of not even remembered anymore until they get there. And that final, like, ten minutes is just, like, this big explosion of amazing, like, both joke payoff and dramatic payoff and stuff that, like, almost wish fulfillment as a viewer. Uh The the type of thing you're like, okay, a a commercial Hollywood film would never have done this. Right. And it becomes not only, uh, I think, an analysis, a critique of of, uh, toxic masculinity, but also... I don't want to oversell the idea that this is like this really bleak, horrible... You're not going to walk out of this movie feeling terrible, I don't think. No, I don't think I, so either. I think it's actually, in a weird way, uplifting. Like I said, vaguely poignant. Yeah, I mean, these characters find a way out of this moral morass that they've found themselves in. And, and like, I think that unexpectedly. The, the key is the satirical heightened character characters here, especially with the, yes, they are... Is definitely deeply addressing the problems of toxic toxic masculinity, but it's doing it in a way of going. Yes, we know everyone watching this already knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. like and you know, we're not teaching you anything you don't already know. We're well, here to make a comedy. Well, if for some people it might teach them something. You know, like someone might walk into this movie who's not woke in that general manner. You know, like and they might see it and it might tickle the thing in them. Or I feel like someone could watch it and totally miss the message, which people are dense, and still find it an enjoyable, like, fucked up, funny movie and not understand what is, you know, lampooning. I think that person exists out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, like, the thing is it works on all three of those levels to me. Like, whether it's preaching to the choir, teaching you something new, or you're just dense enough to not see it, I think you'll find it enjoyable regardless. And Nivola, if you're into this I, type of... I do want to really praise Nivola's performance yeah. here oh, yeah. as as this totally toxic as shit, but weirdly likable Hardly charismatic. Like, you're yeah. just like, I get... The movie sells you on why he has a cult, even if you're all, you become very quickly aware of how dangerous and bad of a person this yeah. guy really is, which that rabbit hole keeps going deeper and deeper. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you're... You're still. I get it. I get why people follow him even with all this. Yeah. Because there's a lot. Like he's just. He plays it in a way. Like don't play it as a villain. Yeah. Play it as an actual. Play it like you're playing the good sensei in a karate movie, and he does that, and it, and it sells in a very funny juxtaposed sort of way. I I, I was very impressed with what he did. I liked the way that Jesse Eisenberg took his twitchy character and did something much more intense and deeper with it when we usually see him go with it. The only complaint I have, if anything, is that Imogen Poots is set up as a more interesting character with more depth and I wanted more of her. And she really doesn't have... She's really more of a plot device than anything else here. It's a shame, too, in a movie that's like kind of critic like critical of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and men. Like the one female character they have in this world is kind of sidelined. Yeah. Which I guess whether it's intentional or not, kind of works even on another like meta I mean, level yeah. for the movie, whether they meant to mean it that way or not, but like it kind of this guy adds himself, to it. I mean Jesse Eisenberg himself is is toxically masculine yeah, as well, yeah. despite being the out. opposite of yeah. masculine. So in his own way he's sidelining her as well. Mm. Uh it's just like two different types of toxic masculinity confronting each other. Yeah. He, he, he 
you know, if you hear a lot of stuff online and, and, you know, you hear stories about people who've kind of fallen into this sort of horrible pit of toxic masculinity and the various, let's just say, websites and things and various movements. I'm not going to name any because fuck those guys. You don't need to go and look any of their uh, websites up. But you do get a sense of how certain people who are very vulnerable and are looking for a place where they can belong and are looking for a way to mm. feel like they're more in control of their life, you can see how they could a, immediately that. just sort of glom onto these ideas and just start blindly repeating them and get caught up in it. And, and where this movie kind of distinguishes itself is in its look. This is one thing I... This is actually leading to my only real criticism of the movie. If you look at the film, I for the first few minutes, I was trying to figure out when when it took place. I started realizing all of the furniture looks really old. But hey, you know, it's a low-budget production. Maybe they just got some stuff from Goodwill. Maybe that's why everything looks like it's from the 80s. But then, you know, everybody's using CRT monitors. And I realized nobody in this world has a cell phone. There is apparently no internet People still use VHS tapes. I'm like, is this in the 80s? Is it in the 90s? They set it up to be... In, uh, I just read about this. They in, they set it up to be intentionally ambiguous as to where it was. Yeah, and, and here's where my issue with that is, because I think these... A, this is why I thought it felt like a cult film. This felt like something I saw 20 years ago and is still relevant today. I mean, even down to what I assume is like 16 millimeter uh, fine grain film stock. It looked like a movie that had been on a shelf for years. But these are issues that are still relevant today, and I don't see any part of this story that wouldn't work in the modern era. Mm -hmm. So I was confused by that, because why... It's the one artistic choice in a movie that makes tons of choices and nails every single one. This is the one artistic choice I'm not completely clear on. I would argue that their reasoning was to not... Uh, emphasize the idea that this is the movie that wants to be preaching to you about anything. Like I said, this is the movie that wants to say, yes, yes, we know you already know this. Not, god damn, guys, look at all this toxic masculinity today. We gotta do something about this. I feel like it's that, that, pre like earlier period change that makes that not feel. I guess yeah. preachy, maybe. I think. Well, and I think you could. But putting it in the past makes it feels like it's a problem of the past, as opposed to something that's still. Yeah, but everybody knows that's not the case. Uh, yeah, see, I mean, it's very much of the moment. Like we talked about, how it seems very obvious. It's about toxic masculinity. It's a, it's a moment right now, right? The Me Too movement. It's like people know this. It's ingrained. I think maybe by setting it in the past and have it come out now. It might help it in the long run. It's more of a timeless feel. Like in ten movies, if someone in ten years, if someone watches this movie and is like, "This seems kind of old." When did it come out? It's like, "Oh, 2019." Oh yeah, that's when. Like, right. it's like, "Oh, but it's like looks like it's the 90s." It kind of gives the idea like this is a problem that's around Maybe. indefinitely. You know, it's kind of it, it follows. They kind of do a similar thing, although they add like future technology kind of in that to make it feel just like whenever. Yeah, and they do it really well. And this one is very much in the past. It's set. It's uh, taking place in the past. We don't know exactly when. But I, I don't know. Like, if you said a movie in, like, the 1400s about today's issues, it's not like, oh, well, that was an issue in the 1400s and it's not an issue today. Like, it's... It was a different it's a, aspect it is, of it. It is a then. weird choice. To, like, it's, it's, even if it's just for aesthetics, yeah. but... I mean, it's like, I think to some degree it helps the humor. 
It makes it, like Maybe, I said, yeah. it makes it more comfortable to laugh at it when it's set in the past. There's a VHS because this, gag this that movie works well. wants to be funny, yeah. and, and I think it succeeds. And I think it would be more difficult being funny if it was modern day. Yeah, I think I, that might be it. Might be as simple as that too. Yeah. Like the the reveal. There's a reveal in it that involves a VHS tape, and like it's kind of a joke in itself just seeing that because it elicits like this memory of like these types of tapes that existed. It's like, oh yeah, that's funny. <laughs> like now, if he searched it on YouTube or he found like the site and it's like a character in front of a computer screen, it's like all right. Like I don't. Which is fine. Movies have to do that now because that's the way the world works. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of nice just to not see another character in front of a computer screen discovering stuff. True. You know, I mean, if, even if it boils down to that one scene didn't have to be in there, I'm happy about it. Well, let's go to final thoughts, Alan. Keep going and and uh, lead us into our grand finish. Yeah. Okay. So everything, everyone's saying like all the right things, and I kind of agree with Marco that the time period thing is a weird choice, but it's a choice that didn't bug me. Um, I don't think it really harms its message much. Um, about the performances, we're talking about like the big performances, the satire of it all. They do a very special thing in here, which not a lot of movies and things pull off where they're managed to be satire, but no one's really doing it broadly or big. It's very still like subtle in, in their performances. It's a very dry movie, but it is also larger than life, but without it being loud, which mm-hmm. is a fun combination to watch. Like it's very subtle. It's played really straight by everyone. No one is big or like winking at the camera in any way. No one's yeah. chewing up scenes, but it, everyone is still clearly like a caricature. So like, that's like a hard thing to pull off. And I think it's like the biggest strength of the movie. Yeah. So I'm going to go nine out of, uh, yeah, nine out of 10 kicks that are also punches, but are from defeat. What about <laughs> the agony of defeat? Uh, what about you, Marco? <laughs> uh, I'm going to echo probably a lot of what you guys are already saying. Uh, I did bring up the the time period thing. It struck me as a bit of an unusual choice, but it is a choice, and that's fine. Uh, I think in time I might reevaluate my feelings on that, but I do think this is a really good movie. I think this is actually better than really good. As I said earlier it kind of feels like a cult movie from the past, and I think it could live on uh, as a cult film the more people see it. Uh, I've certainly kind of got a 90s indie film vibe from this, and yeah, that's in a good way. That, We're not in, getting in those way. anymore. Exactly. You know? So to me, that's why I was like, oh, man. And if I'm being honest with myself, that's probably when I was at my most toxic or stupid mm. in my 20s. I'm like, yeah, I remember that era. I've seen pictures. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and uh, th- hey, back in the day before we could actually videotape ourselves or post our stupid late night two in the morning thoughts I don't on know Facebook. What you were thinking with that mullet? You know, hey, you know, it was a night. It was a. It was a look. It was for about five minutes. It was, it was a choice. You, it was uh, but again, a choice. Speaking of choices. Uh, I think this uh, particular director, who I was not familiar with before... Riley Stearns. uh, Riley Stearns, the writer and director of this, uh, he does make these choices, and almost all of them are tricky, they're ballsy, they are... He takes big risks, and he, he just... He basically just makes all of them work. And it's so rare that a filmmaker, only two films in can take so many choices with something like this and make it work. I think this is uh, highly worth watching. I'm going to give this 9 out of 10 rainbow-colored belts that I awarded myself. (laughs) This is a deeply enjoyable film for me, but I'm also 
you know, I mean, I was only when I said earlier about Martin Thomas, it's only because this feels like the type of movie he normally loves. And I know him so well that I was shocked for him. But honestly, there's a lot of people going to see this and go, this is not my sense of humor. At oh, all. oh, true. But I think this is perfectly executed in many, many ways. My only issue and like, like Alan pointed out, it might have been part of the sort of meta-ness of it that Imogen Poots, who is set up as to being very interesting, is largely only there as a device to get the characters to where other characters to where they need to get to. But these are strong performances. It's a really well-shot movie. It's super enjoyable to watch in that deeply uncomfortable cult film, 90s Mm -hmm. cult film sort of way. But unlike a lot of those films, it pays off in a way that is super satisfying. Yeah. I, at the end, I was like just sitting there, like just in shock that they went there. Yeah, going that was kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I love this. This may, I mean, it's a long year in front of us yet uh, because I say that we're halfway through the year, but the the bulk of the the big releases come out in the last third. But right now, this would figure into my top ten of the yeah, year. Yeah, it's creeping Agreed. up to me. And a lot of it because is the surprise of it. I yeah. was not ready for a movie like this point that are good. Yeah. I thought it'd be relatively charming and funny. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it's kind of creeping up there, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine out of ten significant motorcycle helmets. <laughs> Just to say. Yeah. Did you, any of you guys ever take karate classes or martial arts? When I was a wee boy, yeah. I took a couple. I, I don't think I ever moved up a belt class or yeah. anything. I, mean, I definitely kicked some boards in half, though. I didn't. I, I did not that. last very long. Yeah. I, I did, took karate. I, I adhere to the school of James Brown. I don't know karate, but I do know crazy. I've seen it. <laughs> you should have seen him with the mullet when he's beating all these guys' asses back in, like, 94. <laughs> Dude, the mullet gives you strength. <laughs> 